0: overdoses surging to new heights in Burlington. Overdose responses in Burlington have tripled over the last five years, from 13 per month to 39 per month, and the numbers just keep rising. Last year, Burlington police recorded 252 overdoses in the city. Chief John Neerad says they've already seen more than 300 this year. Police believe the supply of the highly addictive opioid fentanyl, often mixed with other drugs, is behind the rise in overdoses. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Code 321 podcast. Patrick Crowley's here today. Hey Patrick, how you doing? Glad to be here thanks for making it all the way out to jericho i really appreciate it so today what i wanted to talk about is a pretty big topic that i think every single person in the world can relate to right now and it's um opiates and what is going on in vermont specifically but some trends that we're looking at in the country Um, this is something that's been rattling around in my brain for a long time and i didn't really know how to approach it and then patrick i was chatting with you about some other stuff and i saw your two-part series that came out and it was it just felt like the right time it felt like the time where you were in a space where you had done a lot of research on that i really enjoyed reading those articles and i thought um it's finally time for us to get behind the mics and talk just a little bit about you know what it is that we do know about this so um, if you don't mind do you want to just start, tell folks a little bit about kind of what your background is and a little bit about, you know, what you've done around opiates, both through your emergency response career and then kind of what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on to, to talk about those stories and, and opiates in general. I I am a, a reporter at vtdigger.org. Um, it's a nonprofit news agency in Vermont, and I focus mainly on the city of Burlington Um, I've been a journalist. That's what I went to school for, for years, but kind of in between things, I, I started slowly getting into, um, emergency response. I was a volunteer firefighter and EMT for years before gradually, uh, doing it as a career with the city of Burlington and, uh, becoming an AEMT. Um, I'm still working as an AEMT Uh, On the side, in addition to my journalism, which is great that I can keep a foot in that world uh, because I think it's hugely important. And I I also just love doing it. Um, But my my big focus is the journalism. And when I started at VT Digger, I I'm pretty sure I pitched a version of. This opiate story because I had just come off a year and a half working for the city of Burlington as as a firefighter. And I saw up close what was obvious, which is that the city of Burlington and many other cities across the country are really dealing with a huge uptick in overdoses driven by fentanyl. And, and so I, you know, this wasn't news to the folks at V2 Digger. I think we, there have been plenty of stories to, to report on the numbers coming out of the state of Vermont. But I really wanted to look at the conditions on the ground, talk to the people that work closest in this issue and write a big long story. And it it actually ended up turning into two stories and, uh, there's more work to come. You know, it's going to be a topic that I'll stay, uh, stay on top of. Um, but I'm glad I was able to really kind of report on what I had known, what I had seen thus far. And so, yeah, those two stories came out just prior to, um, just after Thanksgiving actually. And, and so, um, yeah, I'm excited to continue doing that work as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing. And I will, for those of you listening, I'll put those article links in the show notes so people can go and read those. I really highly recommend it. Um, there's no way we can go through every line of that article right here today, we'll, we'll touch on it. But, um, I really encourage you if you're thinking about this question, you know, Patrick, you know, this, I've told you it's, it's really well-written. It's really, in, it's a, it's a joy to read. And from someone who reads Apple news and all that stuff every day, like it's really well-written. So thanks for doing that. Thank you. You know, and, um, I think you kind of alluded to it, but obviously I've been in, in EMS as well, and we both worked in Burlington. And I feel like what I'm hearing from my friends who still work in that field, responding to the one calls is this shift we've seen where you know five ten years ago it opiate overdoses were not terribly common it was maybe a couple a month and even those couple you would give like a half a milligram of Narcan they would wake up and he'd be like oh my god I can't believe I almost died like oh my goodness what's gonna go like it was like they were like shaken to their core you know and then in the last few months I was over there before I left for my new job I remember waking people up and they're like infuriated at you. Like, it's like, this is the third time they've overdosed that day and they're, it's not a shock. And you're like, Hey, you could have died. And they're like, don't tell me what to do. Like, and it's just the attitude about how it's becoming a norm. Like it's becoming like expected that, you know, these people may overdose once in a while. And it's like, you know, it just the shift in the number of calls, I mean there's there's all these metrics that you put in your in your article there that you know Chief Lachance and those guys have been talking about about how frequently you know they're going to these opiate calls and um, do you want to talk a little bit about you know in your in your process of developing this article? do you have like any idea about like why we're seeing such a spike? Is there any like trend that we can point to and say this is a contributing factor
1: the The drug mix changed. A lot of people that I interviewed kept really hammering on that point um, in a big way, which is, you know, we, fentanyl didn't come out of nowhere all of a sudden. I mean, if you, if you look at like the state of Vermont's overdose data, it started showing up in overdose deaths before the pandemic, but it was really, you know, 2020 and then after where the numbers just took a huge, huge jump. And that was because you know, a lot of the drug treatment folks on the street were telling me that the fentanyl was just replacing the heroin altogether. And the fentanyl is, the illegal fentanyl is shorter acting. They have to use it a lot more. It changed people's tolerances, the folks that were using it on the street. And so when, I think the withdrawals were more painful as a result of, of, of like Narcan or or Naloxone. Yeah. So, and I'd heard the same thing in my interviews that, that you mentioned, which is, you know, five, six years ago, people were, you know, shocked when they came, came to from an overdose. Yeah. Um, and then in the last couple of years, there's a little more anger. And, and some of the firefighters that I interviewed said the patient has changed. And, And they're seeing they're going to the same person for an overdose multiple times in one day. Um, They're obviously not most of them are not going to the hospital. Um, They're often more angry because that withdrawal that they've just been put into by by maybe a, a passerby gives them the full four milligrams of Narcan or or whatever it may be the withdrawal that they get from that is just excruciating pain because all of a sudden they're put into precipitated withdrawal, you know, because they're so, their tolerances from that heavy duty fentanyl are are just much higher. So I think the drug mix has really changed everything as far as the opioid and and overdose crisis that folks are seeing in cities,
0: yeah, and and one of the things I read in your article that I never even thought about is the business aspect behind why some of these drug uh, manufacturers, these illegal drug producers, are are moving to fentanyl, isn't necessarily solely for like a pharmacological reason. It's it's that like it takes more energy and more space to cultivate like the poppy fields for for opiates for heroin, whereas you can make fentanyl in the lab much cheaper and much faster. And it's like, I think correct me if I'm wrong, it's like a hundred times more potent than more than a morphine or a heroin. So, I mean, they're they can just produce it faster and cheaper and easier. And you talk to any business CEO on the planet and they'll tell you that that's a recipe for growing your business is reducing your production costs and optimizing your your sales. And it's it's something that I didn't really think about that it's maybe not for, you know, like a physiology reason or, or a pharmacy reason. It's It's related to the production costs of doing that. And that was really eye opening that you wrote that in there. I was like, man, I didn't even think about that.
1: Yeah. And I, I wanted to, cause when I went into the story, I actually didn't understand the why either. And that's one of the questions I kept asking people. I was like, well, why, why, why the fentanyl? What, what's the, what's the advantage for the drug manufacturers? And yeah, you, you said it's, you're scaling down from whole acres of poppy fields to simply a lab. And so, you know, cartels, in in Mexico can get the precursor of fentanyl so it's not fentanyl yet but it's it's this precursor chemical that they can get shipped from China and my understanding is a small lab can turn that precursor into what's known as street fentanyl And then it gets smuggled into the U S and it's on it's between 50 and a hundred times. It depends on, on the potency, but, but yeah, between 50 and a hundred times more, you know, powerful than, than heroin. Um, and so that was, it's just economics, you know, it's just, you know, people running these illegal businesses realizing that they can reduce their overhead and, and just make a lot more money. And so that's one of the reasons why it's completely replaced, almost replaced heroin. It's, you know, from, in my interviews with, you know, people that have lived this, the, you know, people with substance use disorder on the street, they've said that it's, it's just what you can find. Yeah. The the fentanyl and xylazine mix specifically in Burlington is, is the drug of choice. And um, it's harder and harder to find things like heroin.
0: Yeah. And, and just cause you mentioned it, let's, let's just talk a little bit about like xylazine. Cause it seems like, you know, we had heroin and we were dealing with that and we're giving Narcan and all of a sudden, boom, fentanyl shows up and we're dealing with that. And all of a sudden like xylazine, it's like the next hot new take and the new mixtape drop with the new, you know, chemical compounds here. And, and what is xylazine? Like, like, where did that come from?
1: It's a veterinary medicine. I believe it's um, meant for horses maybe, or I'm probably misstating. I'm sure it's used widely for other animals, but I'm not an expert in that field. Yeah. Um, it's it's not for humans. That's that's one thing I can say for sure. At least it wasn't intended. And it's um, sometimes referred to as trank um, on the street. It is, from what I've gathered in interviews, it's being added to fentanyl in an effort to increase the duration of fentanyl's effects because the, this illegal street fentanyl is much more faster acting and wears off faster than heroin was. And so that's one of the reasons people see a lot more needles on the street is because people are just simply shooting up more often, but in, in an effort to increase the duration, people somehow started adding xylazine, um, to sort of lengthen the effects. And one of the unfortunate consequences of that is it can lead to these open wounds that, that people have yeah. that um, become really infected and just um, create a lot of problems. I interviewed street outreach workers in Burlington who are working together with the Burlington Fire Department's community response team to maybe address some of these open wounds because a lot of them don't want to go to the hospital, but they're walking around with, with, you know, maybe open infected wounds on their arms. And so there are teams that have to deal with that in addition to all the substance use issues. Yeah. And,
0: you know, there's a reason why it's not approved in humans. It's not like doctors didn't fit, like they missed it. Like it's, it's, not proven to be safe in humans, but this is, you know, I think I almost look at it as like food trucks. Like the the drug dealers are trying to come up with the best possible recipe with the most addictive, tastiest thing that they can find that gives the best experience to the user, and so they're looking for ways, you know, whether it's you know uh, cutting their cocaine with fentanyl or adding xylazine to fentanyl. And you know, I was I was reading your story and hearing from people who were recovering from substance abuse or who had been using you know illicit drugs, talking about like they know. when it's like the good stuff first, the bad stuff. And they're referring to what it feels like when you take those medicines, they can tell the difference between like a fentanyl xylazine mixture or just a fentanyl, you know, cut with something else. And I thought that was really, you know, interesting that there's this whole market around like the experience of what they're trying to create behind these drugs. And it's, it's designed to, to be the most addictive, best trip you can have. And in the pursuit of that, It's easy to see why some people can overshoot that, you know, and, and, you know, to be literal, like just taking too much to the point where, you know, they have to be resuscitated by these um, first responders or or bystanders.
1: Yeah. I recounted um, in an interview I had with a gentleman that had been living on the street, homeless. He's been uh, dealing with, you know, opiate use for many, many years. He talked about when there are these waves of, sometimes deadly overdoses in, in the city of Burlington word would get out and, you know, the fire, uh, we, we would see that, you know, on the ambulances and word would get out. And it's one of those twisted things where maybe someone knew someone that overdosed and maybe it was fatal. And then those heavy users would say, where do I get that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and he admitted to, to being part of that. He, it's, Something with it the the addiction is so powerful that they that's the, one of the first thoughts that that comes up is it sounds like it's a really strong batch and, and yeah. where can we get that but um but the you know you mentioned it the the fentanyl has has just made it into a lot of other things too the methamphetamine and cocaine and I was really surprised to learn that and when I saw the numbers about how, me- how much 47% of overdoses in 2022 in Vermont involved cocaine. And so you've got these cocaine or methamphetamine users that aren't necessarily accustomed to having to worry about a sudden overdose that because drug manufacturers have started mixing or cutting with fentanyl, they're at risk for it. And the only reason the fentanyl has been added to cocaine or methamphetamine or any stimulants is because it, it basically sweetens it. And I had one doctor, um, working at a methadone clinic say it's, it's like adding fat, sugar or salt in a, in a dish. It's just, it's just creating like a physical dependence and, and changing the drugs so that even cocaine users are, are coming back and now they're hooked on fentanyl as well.
0: changes what it's doing to the body too. I mean, I remember very vividly working with a paramedic that we both worked with in Burlington who went to an overdose and the person was, um, it, looked like an opiate overdose, they were had the constricted pupils, they had the decreased respiratory drive, they were unconscious, and the individual gives them Narcan. And then it turns out that the patient had taken a polypharmacy overdose where they had mixed methamphetamine and, and fentanyl. In this particular mix, the fentanyl was a little bit stronger. And when we administered the Narcan, the Narcan removed the effects of the opiate, which is essentially the suppressant that was keeping them um, from, from having unchecked methamphetamine stimuli. And the Narcan doesn't address methamphetamines. And that's like a pretty aggressive stimulant. So this individual's unconscious, not breathing, constricted pupils administer the Narcan and all of a sudden is so combative and agitated and out of control that we end up having to sedate the individual. It's like like we're waking someone up because they're too sleepy and too unconscious. And then the, you have this unchecked sympathetic response from the other, the other drug under there. And it's like, sometimes you don't know what these people are on and and if you look at the data from the department of health a lot of the fatal overdoses have many different drugs in them it's it's not like it's not like they take fentanyl and they overdose and they die there's like you know sometimes there's you know methamphetamines and cocaine and you know all these other things that are mixed in those um those patients and it's just each thing is dealt with differently and they do different things to the body and it's just it's just complex
1: yeah the those those overdose numbers from the state that you mentioned are really striking because that list that they give, it's not like one substance was the definitive cause of, yeah. of an overdose. But when you're looking at their numbers, it's often, yeah, all these poly drug mixtures. And, and that's unfortunately becoming, you know, more and more of a problem. And and it it's made the, the opioid crisis... It's just widened it, I think, to to encompass more of like stimulant drug users that that maybe they just had a methamphetamine habit um, or a cocaine habit. And unfortunately, now that's those folks are also at risk of of um, opioid overdoses, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and just doing a little bit of research before the shows, is um, the national opiate, um, like CDC mortality database is a little bit behind. It doesn't like it's not going to post 2023, obviously, until it's over. So it, it takes a little time to crunch all that data because there's so many facets in that. Um, but it looked like roughly speaking in the whole country, it's about like 21.6 overdoses per hundred thousand people. And I was looking at the data that came out from the Vermont department of health. And you know, the thing you have in front of you over there in the, the, out of the 14 counties in Vermont, 10 of them are above that average, including um, Essex County up in the Northeast kingdom, which is more than double that. And so it's like, you know, we're the green mountain state. We're supposed to be like super troopers, laid back, maple syrup, maybe a little bit of marijuana here and there, but we're, we're double the national average in some of these areas of our state. When you were doing research for this, do you have any idea like, you know, why that's why that trend is there? And, and is there something that's known? Have they watched this grow?
1: Yeah, that's, that's one key difference. I would say when I interviewed, so I, I looked at my stories, I should say I looked statewide, but I, I most of it, I would say, I focused on the city of Burlington because yeah. the numbers, you know, not maybe not necessarily the the overdose death rate is lower in Chittenden County than it would be in some place like Essex County, like yeah. you mentioned. But the overall numbers are much greater, and for obvious reasons, the population is different. But what I started hearing was that in elsewhere in Vermont, outside of Burlington the overdose death rates are are actually much higher so you look at southern vermont the two counties bennington county and windham county and then up in the northeast kingdom those counties the overdose death rates are much higher and, and so i asked a few you know officials around chittenden county if they were aware of why chittenden county had maybe a little bit more success with the with counteracting deaths and one theory that i heard was that in Chittenden County, access to emergency services is a lot more accessible, pretty much, you know, in in most of the county other than the rural areas. And then elsewhere in the state, you're looking at a lot more, like the entire county will just be almost entirely rural. And so emergency services, 20 minutes out, 30 minutes out, maybe. I mean, these are out in Essex Essex County, I got to imagine these are regional ambulance services that are coming from a place that's way down the road. And, 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 you know, it's just going to take a lot more to get to these far flung rural addresses where maybe an overdose is reported. And so I think EMS intervention is probably a factor in, in, in that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I remember when the State Department of Health started a couple of years ago, putting together these, you know, overdose response kits that they were producing by the pallet and they were pushing these out to EMS services. And, you know, so when you did a high risk opiate refusal, you could hand this out to the, to the individuals. And I remember working um, as a paramedic on the ambulance at the time you were working there too. And we had these on the ambulance and. I remember talking to I think it was like Dan Wolfson or maybe uh, maybe Stephanie Bush, one of them from the state and just saying, hey, we need more. We need more. We need more. And they're like, oh, yeah, no problem. no problem." I'm like, no, you need to like back a pallet up because a lot of these places, there, there are areas in Burlington where uh, people who are doing drugs congregate and there's multiple people doing the same batch or doing similar batches and they're in close proximity. And for the first time in my career, uh, when it was kind of at its peak during the tail end of the pandemic, we're seeing like bystanders who are doing the same drug administering narcan to their counterparts in the same i mean we're getting there and the, the narcan's already been administered you know and it's just it's wild to think about that because 5 years ago i I don't think anyone really had Narcan other than EMS services. You know, a long time ago, if you talk to some of the the old dinosaurs in fire and EMS, they'll tell you that you used to have to call the doctor on the phone or on the radio to get permission to attempt Narcan, you know, and now you could walk into any health department, any treatment center and and walk away with whatever Narcan you need. And um, I believe anytime you're prescribed anything opiate related from the pharmacy, you're supposed to be getting Narcan as well, too.
1: There's a lot more Narcan out there and... Um, I about, uh, I want to say six months, six or seven months ago, I was doing something routine for my job. I think, you know, I was at a Burlington city council meeting, I believe. And I left 11 PM or so and and encountered, um, what was, uh, quite obviously an an opioid overdose on the, on the sidewalk in Burlington. I, I didn't have anything on me. I you know I had a notebook and I called it in and they were uh you know I think folks got there really really quickly and and took over but um since then the state um through opioid settlement money actually has been spending a lot on on just pushing more and more narcan out there it's available over the counter uh the state of Vermont right now you can actually get on the health department's website and just request narcan which i tested out while i was reporting my story just to to see and yeah i filled out the form and now i've got you know a couple of the narcan's kits um and they just mail it to you right they just mailed it to me so yeah. i put it in my work bag because nice. i don't know maybe yeah. i'll maybe i'll have another one of those moments after a city council meeting and yeah. so um and they've also included they i was it's surprised to see in the kit they sent me, I they sent me fentanyl test strips as well, which I have no use for. So I gave it to a I gave it to a drug treatment nonprofit and yeah. asked them if they wanted it. And and so yeah, so those two things the state has all the settlement money and they're they're really just trying to get it out there. Um and so you see more and more bystanders um who have it and are and are giving it. And so it's not uncommon I think for the for ambulances or first responders to get there, and and Narcan's already been administered.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely the system is changing, and I think we hear that from our colleagues in fire and EMS, and and even just people on the street. I mean. 10 years ago, five years ago, most general population people wouldn't know what the symptoms of an opiate overdose are. And I think, you know, I was just pumping gas the other day and the health department had a little, a little spot on the gas GSTV or whatever it is Mm -hmm. where they were showing, you know, the symptoms of an overdose. And before we get into the solutions, you know, and some of the things that we're trying to do to, to combat this, you know um, let's talk a little bit about some of like the periphery pieces behind this this uh, fentanyl problem. And I think it's important to clarify that when you look at the research, um, a bunch of years ago, this was kind of categorized as like the opiate epidemic and the opiate challenge and opiate overdose. And there's this really big push towards, you know, oh, well, it's Percocet and Oxycodone that people are taking on the street. And I think we can probably safely say with this data that that the biggest danger we have currently is fentanyl. Like that is what is killing people. You know, that there are definitely folks that are struggling with prescription pill addiction and they're struggling. There's still heroin around that you could probably locate, but fentanyl is predominantly leading the pack in what these people are overdosing on. Is that kind of what you found as well?
1: Yeah. And it's where the two stories I wrote had sort of an overarching title that I used called the third wave. and And that was a term that I actually got from the CDC where... Fentanyl is that is the third wave, the first two being prescription opiates, so your Percocets and then and then OxyContin when that took over and then the formula change for OxyContin, which was a big problem for for the users on it. And that more or less kind of forced a lot of people to seek out heroin. So heroin was that second um, second wave. And then gradually you know, as we already discussed, fentanyl became cheaper um, and it just took over. And so that's the third wave. And so you're right. I mean, it's for sure there are still those other aspects. I mean, there's still people, you know, battling with, you know, the the opiate prescriptions. Um, But as far as what what people think of as as the the drug crisis on the streets, it's it's fentanyl and 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 A lot of state numbers, if if folks look them up, I mean, not just Vermont, I think, I think if you looked up state numbers, uh, you know, it's, it's clearly everywhere.